Wonderful. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. I was in uh, Dorset yesterday afternoon. Uh, I'm in Norfolk uh, this morning. I'm going back to Dorset uh, this evening. I feel, I don't know where I'm coming or going, but uh, never mind. Uh, if you've got that uh, Bible passage that we had uh, read earlier open in front of you, that'd be a really great help to me. Uh, it's uh, Mark chapter 7, if you've closed the Bibles, and it's on page uh, 1010. Page 1010. And uh, let me pray for us as we come to look at this uh, passage. This is what the writer to the Hebrews uh, says. Uh, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Lord, that is our experience this morning as we uh, hear your word read and as we come to look at it now. It exposes uh, who we really are. Uh, And we pray that we would hear your voice this morning, uh, that we would uh, see you more clearly, we would love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. For your glory's sake, we pray. Amen. Uh, I think there are probably few people in history who have divided opinion quite like uh, Jesus has. Uh, Think about it. There are millions of people through history who have found Jesus extraordinarily compelling and attractive. Uh, They've willingly given their lives in his service. I said I've been away in Dorset. I'm helping out on a uh, Christian summer holiday camp for uh, teenagers. Uh, And I'm I'm in charge of a load of students who've given up their holidays to basically come and clean loos and uh, scrub dishes for a week. I don't think you do that unless you love the person who the camp is all about, the Lord Jesus. And yet at the same time, whilst lots of people worship Jesus and want to give their lives in his service, there are lots of people who think he's just a figure of ridicule. Or even more than ridicule, actually they, they hate him. They, 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 they cannot stand him. Uh, he revulses them, he repulses them. Uh, it's one man, and yet there are many different opinions. I guess there's probably lots of reasons why people have different opinions about Jesus, Uh, but it seems to me that probably one of the most significant are the words that he spoke. Uh, John tells us that he was full of grace and truth, and so are his words. They are full of grace and truth. Jesus says wonderful things, and yet at the same time, they are truth, and they are unflinching truth. Uh, Jesus was honest in a way that no one else is, Uh, They're words that, because they are so uncompromisingly honest, are really quite difficult to hear. And yet, at the same time, if we do listen to them, we will find that they are truth, and that the truth will set us free, as Jesus promised. Uh, And this morning's passage is one of those uh, situations. Uh, We've already been seeing, if you've been with us over the last uh, few months, as we've been looking through Mark's Gospel, uh, how Jesus is an amazingly attractive figure to some people. Uh, the crowds are following him. People are bringing the sick and the, uh, the needy to him uh, at all costs. They want him to change their lives. And yet to others, to the people in authority, to the religious leaders, uh, he poses a challenge. Uh, and in this passage, we see Jesus making, I think, some of the most uncomfortable statements that he probably ever made, certainly the ones that are recorded for us. And we see that dynamic challenging both the religious leaders of his day and also us as his readers this morning. So let's uh, dive in. I've simply got uh, two headings for us to help us navigate through this passage. Uh, And the first is that Jesus cares about attitudes more than appearances. 
Jesus cares about attitudes more than appearances. Uh, So far, Mark's Gospel has been uh, dominated by stories of miracles. And suddenly, as we get to this passage, there's a complete change uh, of scene. Uh, It's much, much more intimate. Uh, The attention switches to these Jewish religious leaders, the the Pharisees uh, and Jesus' disciples. Uh, Now, what's grabbed the Pharisees' attention is the fact that Jesus and the disciples are eating food without having washed their hands. Now, that seems a bit strange to us, doesn't it? I mean, clearly in our culture, to wash your hands before you eat is a good thing. We've been doing on camp all this week, trying to get the teenagers to wash their hands before they eat food so germs don't get passed around. That's a good thing, isn't it? And it is a good thing. Uh, But if we dig a little bit deeper into this passage, uh, we can see that it's not a question of hygiene. There's something else that is going on here. Uh, what is going on is it's a question of, of kind of ceremonial uh, cleansing or cleanliness, I suppose we could say. Verses uh, 3 and 4, Mark gives us a little bit of a, 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 some explanation, I suppose. Uh, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions uh, of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat uh, unless uh, they wash. Uh, before they ate, the Jews had incredibly strict rules uh, about uh, hand-washing after having contact with non-Jews. That's the reference to the marketplace. They would have been out in the market, they would have had contact with people who weren't Jews. And in their eyes, that would have made them unclean before God. Uh, incredibly strict rules. They'd have special water uh, that had to be used. They would have uh, special rituals uh, that had to be followed. And they really would follow it incredibly strictly. Uh, There's a story uh, told, and I think it's a true story, of a rabbi in Jesus' day who was, for some reason, imprisoned by the uh, the Romans. Uh, He would rather come to the point of death. He didn't quite die. He almost died because he would rather use the water that the Romans gave him for drinking for his hand-washing rituals. That's how seriously these people uh, took it. It's not a a joke for them at all. Uh, And such rituals, of course, would be applied not just to their hands, but they'd be applied... Uh, to utensils and, uh, and various things like that. And Mark points us in that direction, doesn't he? Uh, the important thing for us to realise is that none of this uh, teaching had come from the Old Testament scriptures. It wasn't from uh, God's word. Now, the Old Testament said many things about what the Jews had to do uh, to keep themselves clean, but actually these uh, traditions were not from the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, they'd built up over uh, many, many, many years as the religious leaders and the religious experts had tried to interpret the law, and they'd added on top different layers and layers and layers uh, to the point where actually the original had been completely uh, completely obscured. And it's this tradition that Jesus and the disciples are accused of ignoring. You you can see, if we read it very carefully, the Pharisees are very clear. Uh, They accuse Jesus and the disciples of not living according to the tradition of the elders. They don't accuse them of ignoring God's word, because they can't. They've ignored the tradition of the elders and not the scriptures. Well, how does Jesus reply? Uh, Jesus' reply is incredibly sharp, isn't it? Verse 6. He describes these religious leaders as hypocrites. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Uh, The hypocrites there, translated, is just literally the Greek word for an actor, Uh, These men are shamelessly playing a part. Uh, They look like uh, the worshippers of God in public, but actually, in reality, their lives are very, very different. 
Just like God's people in the days of the prophet Isaiah, as Jesus quotes, uh, they honour God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. Uh, For these people, uh, appearances are far more important than their real attitudes. And in doing so, they are managing to ignore God's word in favour of their own made-up traditions. Uh, To hammer it home, Jesus gives us uh, an example here, and it's slightly confusing, but we'll try and uh, work out what's uh, going on. Uh, At the heart of this example that Jesus gives for us, uh, sort of from verse uh, 9 onwards, is this idea of Corban. You can probably see it, can't you, in uh, in verse uh, 11. Uh, But if you, you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is devoted to God. Uh, That word Corban is a a Hebrew word. It just means uh, gift or offering. Now, originally, it was used to uh, describe something that had been set apart uh, to give back to God. Uh, So, for example, somebody might decide that uh, that some of their money was Corban. They would uh, declare it as Corban. This bit of money here is Corban. And then when it's been set apart to uh, be devoted to God, it couldn't be used uh, for anything else. Uh, God had first, uh, first digs on it, uh, as it were. That sounds by itself a pretty good thing, doesn't it? We know that God should come first, and uh, if something's been devoted to him, that's a pretty good thing, isn't it? Uh, the problem is that as time went on, this uh, sort of tradition of Corban started to get abused. Uh, so what happened? People started using it as a way of avoiding having to meet other responsibilities, and again, Jesus gives for us a particular example of what was, of what was going on at the time. Uh, just as uh, today, if uh, someone's parents become elderly or in need, you might be expected, might you, to, uh, to put some money towards perhaps putting them in a care home, putting some, offering some respite care, something like that. Uh, the Old Testament law for the Jews said that uh, they should honour their parents, their father uh, and their mother. And it was the same kind of expectation today. If your parents were ill or needy, you would be expected to look after them. Uh, The problem is what was happening was that people were using this rule of Corbyn to avoid having to uh, spend their money on looking after their parents. They'd just say, well, I'm sorry, that money's been devoted to God, it's Corbyn. No, no, you've got to go and uh, find your own way. No social services in those days, obviously, no welfare state. Uh, It was uh, was quite an issue. Uh, They were, were listening more to the rules of the elders than God's words. Uh, they were more interested in appearing religious by devoting their money to God than actually practicing real religion, compassion, love for the vulnerable, and following God's word, the word to uh, honour their parents. Uh, they're religious hypocrites at the end of the day. Uh, who they are in public is quite different to who they are in private. Hypocrisy is a pretty ugly trait, isn't it? In anyone, I guess. We've uh, been uh, shocked, haven't we, over the last few weeks. Uh, Revelations come out about Lord Sewell, up in the Lords. It's uh, how ironic that he's somebody who's responsible for, uh, for the, uh, the, uh, the upkeep of the Lords and, uh, and its uh, sort of uh, moral uprightness and someone who's been exposed as, uh, as being very, very different. Uh, the public appearance doesn't match uh, the inward attitude. I guess it's especially ugly when hypocrisy is uh, attached to religion. I suppose to some degree all of us are hypocrites, aren't we? This side of eternity, our lips and our lives will never fully align as we might hope that they will. And yet at the same time, it is all too possible, isn't it, to craft an appearance of being a faithful, devout worshipper of God 
and the truth to be very, very different. Perhaps the lips that are praising God on Sunday and praying to him and confessing his name uh, on Monday are denying him, are gossiping, are lying. Be very different, can't it? It can also be possible to be much more concerned with human traditions uh, than God's word. Uh, over the years, some Christians have often been very, uh, very hard on those who've chosen to drink alcohol, for example. Now, of course, no one's advocating drinking alcohol uh, in anything but moderation. Uh, but to go further than God's word and to imply that it's, uh, for, for a Christian it's, uh, it's completely uh, not allowed uh, perhaps is unhelpful. It's, it's elevating human traditions over uh, God's word. Uh, we, can, we might be able to fool other people but God isn't fooled. This is what uh, he says in uh, 1 Samuel of, uh, of David. Uh, man looks on the outside, but the Lord looks on the heart. Man looks on the outside, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesus cares much more about our attitudes, our real attitudes, than our outside appearances. Well, if that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing I want to draw out of this passage is this. Uh, Jesus cares about renewal more than ritual. Jesus cares about renewal uh, more than ritual. Well, if we were shocked by what Jesus has just said in that first uh, section, what he says next actually is even more shocking, isn't it? Uh, there's no, uh, no uh, dodging the issue with Jesus. He gets straight to the real problem head on. It's not the outside that matters, but the inside uh, there's nothing outside a person that can defile them by going into them, he tells us. Uh, rather, it's what comes out of a person that makes somebody unclean. Cleansing rituals, however complicated they might be, ultimately make no difference. Well, clearly, uh, from our passage, the religious leaders are not the only ones who are a bit taken aback by this. Uh, Jesus' disciples are also pretty surprised, aren't they? And they want uh, some more uh, explanation. And Jesus simply repeats his words. Again, he re-emphasizes it. What goes in physically is not the problem. Uh, in doing so, Mark tells us that Jesus is declaring all foods, uh, un- un- all foods uh, clean, uh, verse 19. Uh, you might know that in the Old Testament, along with these uh, cleansing rituals, uh, there was a uh, strict um, set of rules about what the Jews could eat. Uh, they weren't allowed to eat certain, uh, certain foods, certain animals. Uh, it wasn't because God was being petty or nasty. It was kind of a picture in order to uh, show the Jews and the world around them that God expected his people to be different, uh, different in their hearts, to walk differently and to look different uh, because they followed him. Uh, and Jesus uh, says here that, uh, that uh, because he's come, because he's fulfilled the law perfectly and because, of course, uh, he has uh, swept uh, it away, by his uh, death, uh, those old distinctions are gone. That lies in the past. They don't need to follow uh, the food laws uh, anymore. We're going to be thinking a bit more about that next week, actually, and in the next passage, and how that, uh, that, that applies uh, to us. But the point is, again, Jesus is emphasizing that it's not the externals that really matter. It's the inside that is the problem. Verse uh, 20, uh, Jesus goes on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. Uh, Why is it such a problem? Because Jesus goes on and he tells us, doesn't he? He says, because what comes out of our hearts is all kinds of evil. And it is really quite a nasty list, isn't it? 
There are evil thoughts, there are evil actions, there are evil words. Uh, Dirty hands aren't the problem, says Jesus. It's dirty hearts that really matter. Uh, We probably need to pause and explain this a little bit, don't we? Because uh, most of us are quite familiar with the idea uh, that we can speak metaphorically, can't we, of the heart being kind of the place where our emotions come from. So if I said to my wife, I love you with all my heart, uh, she would interpret that as being, I I love you really, really deeply with great kind of emotions. Uh, When the Bible talks about our hearts, it is speaking slightly differently. It does mean emotions, but it means more than that. Uh, It's also speaking of our minds and our wills. So quite often the scripture talks about thinking with our hearts. I mean, we would never use it in that kind of term, would we? We wouldn't say that. We think with our minds. But in scripture, uh, we can think with our hearts. Uh, A helpful way of thinking about it is we might say that the heart is the parliament of somebody's life. It's the place from which uh, where all our decisions are made and where all our wishes are expressed. Uh, the uh, writer of Proverbs calls it the wellspring of life and says everything flows from it. And just as in a country, if the parliament is corrupt and it's uh, not doing what it should do, uh, then actually the rest of the country will be affected as well. You end up with banana republics, don't you? And, uh, and sort of shambles uh, countries. It matters what state our hearts are in because everything else flows from it. And unfortunately, Jesus tells us that actually in, our, in its natural state... Our hearts are desperately, desperately sick. Our hearts are evil. Uh, And that evil spoils our lives. It makes them not as good as God intended them to be. But more importantly, it separates us from our loving God, who is holy. He is clean like nothing else. And we are unclean. And he cannot have us in his presence. It's a shocking thing, isn't it, for us to hear. Just as no doubt it was deeply shocking for Jesus' first hearers to listen to. Uh, it seems to me, when I think about it, there are two reasons why we find this so shocking. Uh, or two big reasons, I guess. Uh, firstly, I think we find it really shocking uh, because Jesus' diagnosis makes no exceptions. All of us are just as he described. Uh, we might not want to admit it, but actually when we think back through our lives, our experience tells us that it has to be so. Uh, which of us, for example, has never fantasised about sleeping with somebody who isn't our spouse? That's sexual immorality, isn't it? Or adultery, if we want to use Jesus' definition. Uh, which of us hasn't uh, gone to perhaps somebody else's house, glanced at someone's possessions, maybe their uh, new, shiny new kitchen or their shiny new car, and thought, you know what, I, I, I'd quite like that. It's a bit better than my mouldy old kitchen down the road. It's a bit better than my battered uh, Ford Fiesta with the rust hanging off it. It's envy, isn't it? Pure and simple. Uh, which of us has never enjoyed the tingle of gossip as we've heard what uh, Julie from Accounts got up to on the last uh, works party and then worse, uh, thought, uh, found the excitement of passing it on to somebody else? What is it? It's slander, isn't it? Uh, slander, deceitfulness. Uh, when we compare ourselves to other people, maybe like Adolf Hitler or Ian Brady or Jimmy Savile, then of course we look pretty good, don't we? We come off pretty well. But when we compare ourselves uh, to Jesus' standards here, we can see that without exception, all of us are far worse than we could ever imagine. There are no exceptions. But I think there's another reason why it's hard for us to hear these words. 
And that is because Jesus' diagnosis also makes no excuses. I don't know about you, but I'm always offering excuses for the things that I do that I know aren't right. Maybe it's my parents' fault. They just brought me up like that. Maybe it was my teacher's fault. You know, if they'd uh, told me the way to go, I, would, have, uh, I, I would, would be all right. Maybe it's the church's fault, somebody like that. Maybe it's our culture. Maybe it's the internet. Maybe it's TV, you name it. Maybe it's just our brains. We're always offering excuses, aren't we, for our behavior. And Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is clear that the problem doesn't lie with television <laughs> or culture or the internet. It lies with us and our hearts. And I think as we're exposed to that, we want to shrink back, don't we? It's a bit like he turns the spotlight on us. And we try and hide from the light. And we want to hide away and stay in the darkness. Uh, Many, many years ago, there was a uh, debate that happened in the pages of the Times newspaper on uh, what's wrong with the world. And as you can imagine, a question like that brought forth uh, many, many different suggestions. uh, Some of them perhaps more accurate than others. Some people suggested it was poor parenting. Some people thought it was the problem with the schools. Not, there's not enough corporal punishment or enough cricket being taught. If they had that, then people would be upright and moral. It might be true to some degree, but I think the most accurate letter was this, the shortest one of all, from the writer G.K. Chesterton. This is what he wrote. Dear sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. He understood the truth of this passage, didn't he? <laughs> he realised the problem doesn't lie with other people. It lies with each and every single one of us. That's the problem with the world. We, with our sinful hearts, have turned our back on God, our loving Heavenly Father, and chosen to live for ourselves. We've rejected his ways, and out of our hearts comes evil all of the time. Well, if Jesus is right, and rituals can't deal with our problem then do we have any hope? What's the problem? Why don't we all just uh, give up, throw up our arms in despair? No, we don't need to do that, because there is a better way. Jesus offers us a better way. He says that rather than have ritual, have renewal. He offers us new, clean hearts, transformed hearts that will serve him and love him, just as we were always made to do. Uh, Already in Mark's Gospel, we've heard the wonderful words that Jesus has not come for the good people. He's come for the sinners. He's come for people like you and me, people who've messed up time and time again, who need a fresh start, who need welcoming back and a new heart. Uh, He's demonstrated that he has authority, like nobody else, to forgive sins, to put right all the bad things that come from our hearts and that spoil our lives and separate us from God. And as Mark will show us, he is going to go to the cross. He's going to go to die on a lonely cross, to die the death that you and I should have died, to take the punishment for our sins, Uh, so that when we trust in him, we can know that the past has been wiped clean, the present has been put right, and the future is secured. We can have new hearts. This is how another writer from the Bible put it, the Apostle John. If we confess our sins, that is, if we own up to it, if we accept that this diagnosis is true, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? A promise of total cleansing. Our own efforts to keep up religious rituals, going to church, reading our Bible, prayer, might be good things, but they're not going to work. They're not going to deal with the fundamental problem. But Jesus' efforts, Jesus' work done on our behalf on the cross, that does work. That offers us changed hearts. It's not a patch-up job. It's a completely new heart. 
I don't know where you are this morning coming into church. Perhaps this is completely new to you, and uh, this is just wow. God, I never knew this was a situation, and I'm totally. Uh, this is totally new. Uh, but it might be that something struck a chord with you. It might be that this diagnosis actually rings a bell. You realise that actually it is true of all of us, just as we have come to realise. Uh, my life is not what I know it should be. I know it's a mess. Uh, let me encourage you, come and talk to one of us. We'd love to talk more about this and what it means, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be set free uh, from dirty hearts and to have a new heart. It might be that you're well aware of the states of your hearts uh, this morning and you know that uh, things are not what they should be, but you know that you need forgiveness and cleansing. Jesus offers that too. Come to him, come and uh, find that renewal and, uh, that he offers and he offers it for us today. Uh, well, last week I uh, had to go to the dentist, and uh, it was uh, it was okay in lots of ways. But I was uh, told at the end uh, that I was going to have to have some treatments, and I was hit by a rather heavy bill. Uh, it's never easy, is it, hearing uh, hard truths uh, that we don't really want to hear? But the truth is that unless we're told the truth, we can never find uh, a cure, can we, uh, for the problem? Uh, Jesus tells us this morning that the problem that we face is much worse than we could ever imagine. Each of us, we're desperately sick people. We're in need of radical surgery to cure our radical, our wicked hearts. And yet at the same time, the diagnosis that he offers, the cure, is far more wonderful than we could ever imagine. Because Jesus has come uh, not to simply model a good life, to be a good person, but to deal with our sin. And he promises us a full transplant. If only we'll come to him and receive it. Will you hear his voice this morning and let him change your heart, clean your heart from the inside out today? Let's pray, shall we? Jesus, we do read these words and we tremble and we shrink from them because they are hard to hear and they're uncomfortable. And yet we acknowledge that they are true. We look at our lives and we know that they are not what we would wish them to be. And more importantly, they're not what you would wish them to be. And yet we praise you that you don't just offer us a diagnosis without also offering us a cure. We thank you that you came not just to be a good person, not to be a wise teacher, uh, but to make a way for us to have clean hearts. Thank you that you died in our place, that when we put our trust in you, we are forgiven, we're restored, we are cleansed. Thank you that you offer renewal. And we pray uh, now that uh, we would come to you afresh, we would know that renewing, that cleansing, you will cleanse our hearts uh, that we might serve you and love you as we were made to. In Jesus' name, amen.